I think yeah. it might. I think it might be like Will's putting so much energy into it that the phone is just like, whoa, friend. Okay. Also, that <laughs> I'm now imagining the think... phone piece like growing lips and going, whoa, whoa friend. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Stranger Things podcast, brought to you by the Fictionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hundred Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. My favorite swimming pool is the one at West Edmonton Mall in the World Water Park. It's dope. That's a pretty good choice. I think so. Because it, it's a wave pool. Yeah. It's, like, the best. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Solid choice. It's a solid choice. Mm-hmm. My name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 29-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Abertania, where I can be found talking about my cat. And um, my, my favorite pool is um the Finding Nemo one at the Art of Animation Studio um Hotel at Walt Disney World. Good answer. Thank you! I thought so. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so, this is the first time we're having you on this podcast. <gasps> Shocking. Yeah, this is Sam. That's and Sam. She has been on our Lost podcast, our The 100 podcast, and our Riverdale podcast, and this is her first uh, journey into our Stranger Things <gasps> podcast, yep. uh, the second episode in, so potentially a record yeah. for how fast we could get <sighs> Sam on this podcast. Ooh, that's a good point. I have um, such a skill. Yeah. So will you before this too? Will Ooh. you um 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 introduce yourself, please? I sure will, Robin. And this is Kobe. He's a ten-year-old cat from Vancouver, BC. He enjoys biting Robin and cuddling with his mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like he really does enjoy it, and it's uh, upsetting for me. Well, that's because you enjoy torturing him, so he enjoys biting you. Anyway, we've really appreciated this introduction to Samantha, and then and then we don't actually know who she is. So go ahead, Sam. Hi, my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 26-year-old writer and marketing coordinator in sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I'm a senior writer and a social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at SamKCC where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. My favorite swimming pool is probably also one at Disney World, mm. um, but I can't tell you a specific one. Right. Probably one at like Blizzard Beach or something. Blizzard Be- I was about to say <gasps> Blizzard Beach is the best that's, one. That's I, I, yeah, Blizzard Beach. Oh, Perfect. wait. The other one? Typhoon Lagoon. No, Typhoon Lagoon is better in my opinion. Thanks. <laughs> Honestly, okay, so I've been to Disney, like, I've only mm, been five times now. I've mm. never been to the water park. I've only mm. been to Blizzard Beach. I have not been to Typhoon Lagoon. Because Typhoon Lagoon's always freaking closed. It's never yes. closed when I'm there. That's weird. Mm. When we go in September, we have to go to Typhoon Lagoon. Okay, sweet. Okay. Today, we have words to say about episode 102 of Stranger Things, the weirdo on Maple Street. Yes, and this episode will contain spoilers for the entirety of seasons one and two of Stranger Things, so just know that going into it. This is not the spoiler safe zone. Whatever Russian accent that was. I don't know why I did she that. She works yeah. for Britain. Her, obviously. I don't know why I did that. Anyway, it's not spoiler free. So make sure you have seen everything that's available at this point. Thanks. Thank you. And if you're listening to this when season three is available, we haven't seen it yet. So that it would, there just won't be a sorry. Part. Yeah, cool. So for the title, it is implied that Mike lives on Maple Street and the weirdo is 11. That's Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's what it is. Cool. So I think we're going to start with the teen storyline in this episode. Oh, those teens. Oh, those teens. Those troublesome teens. Right. Something I noticed about it was that like, it's like you get tiny little trickles of it and then they do everything else in every other storyline and then they come back and they just do everything for this one. Okay, cool. So here is my recap for the teen storyline. Okay, here we go. Nancy gets invited to Steve's house for a party because his parents aren't home and she tells Barb that she has to go with her. Tommy H and Carol are also there and they're a weird couple 
and Stancy is a weird couple, so Barb feels gross and left out, which is relatable. After Barb cuts herself and everyone jumps into the pool, Nancy tells Barb to leave because she's going to do the deed with Steve, even though she said she wouldn't, but I get it because Joe Curie is charming and handsome. Barb sits by the pool and a drip of blood falls in. Jonathan has been creepily taking pictures of everyone the whole time and totally captures when Barb gets taken. Ugh, Jonathan. We all have very many Jonathan yeah, thoughts. Most of Jonathan's storyline happens in the next storyline that we're going to be talking about, uh, in the search for Will, really. Yeah. Um, but when he comes and starts taking pictures is, will be part of this storyline. So uh, these are some of the things that we mentioned while we were rewatching yesterday. One of the things that I noticed was that Tommy H tries to give Barb a wet willy. Does yeah, he? What the yeah. I, I saw that too and I was like, Ugh. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, and it's it's not clear because he doesn't put his finger in his mouth or anything, but he like just tries to like get his finger all up in her ear hole. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sir, what if you never said that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, get his finger all up in her ear hole. Yeah, that's what he was trying to do. It looks so icky. Okay, so I saw, oh man, I wish that I could remember it, um, but there was this whole headcanon about um, Steve's parents. Okay. Because what Steve says is that his parents are out, or his dad is supposed to go to on a business meeting, and his mom decided to go too because she doesn't trust him. So there's this whole thing about how, um, and, and this is of course all hearsay, and I think we're hearing a little bit more about Steve's family in season three, um, if I heard that correctly, just uh, yeah, in think, the grapevine. You think you'd notice if your kid was hanging around with a bunch of little kids fighting yeah. demons? I don't know. I mean, that was only like, what, one afternoon? Yeah. And one night, so who's to say? Oh, but um, good point. but just like Dustin really needed a brother figure, mm. I think that Steve also needed some sort of family fig- figure as well. So um, yeah, I'm just like happy for him, and I can't wait to learn more about Steve's family in uh in season three because what we can kind of glean from this is that it's his his home life probably isn't the greatest. Yeah. And yeah. he, I think, like, Steve definitely needed someone to take care of. Yeah. And he got that when he, like, accidentally fell in with Dustin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hard to agree. Yep. I've got some dope things for good guy Steve alert uh, for my segment. Uh, so stay tuned for that because we got some stuff. I am so tuned right now. Okay, great. So Nan- Nancy goes over to Jonathan basically after she's been invited and such and they're all like, oh, Jonathan sucks. And so she goes over to Jonathan and basically says, hey, I heard what happened. I'm so sorry about that. I really hope you find him. This was such a sweet little moment. It's really nice because it's a moment where Nancy is able to like go over and kind of, and I think this is one of the reasons why Steve likes Nancy is that yep. she's she's kind and she's willing to go against the grain even though it's not the cool thing to do. She's yep. willing to go over there and be and be kind. Do you guys think that this is when Jonathan started having a crush on Nancy? Absolutely. Yeah. I think she might possibly be the first girl who's ever paid attention to him. Mm. Either uh, this is the first time or he's like had a crush on her already and then she came and talked to him and he was like, oh my god, shows him alive. Their little brothers are best friends. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. So they must like know of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a small town. Yeah. Yeah. So he's probably like thought she's like super pretty before and then she spoke to him and he's like, I guess my main question is, is that the reason why Jonathan chooses to stay and take pictures of them? Is it because he has a crush on Nancy? Oh, of course. You think? Oh, yeah. I think he's creepy like that. Mm. Yeah. The thing that sucks is, like, Jonathan is such a good and interesting character. And then, like, this choice here, which was obviously a story choice because there needed to be some kind of, like, evidence that Barb disappeared. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it works so well. It works so well. But what 
it does that I don't think the writers intended was make Jonathan look like a peeping Tom. Fully. Yeah, which is um gross. A peeping John, if you will. <laughs> you. I said it and I meant it. Okay. Yeah. It's it's not good. I don't like it. I, I do like that they come it, back to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that they come back to it, but like he's only ever like ribbed about it once and Nancy doesn't like actually get that mad. Yeah. Because Nancy's right. kind of like his manic pixie dream girl in mm. that. She's not going to get mad about that invasion of her privacy because who he is is more important. <laughs> like, she immediately <laughs> forgives him and I'm just like, that okay. was a really weird and invasive thing that he did. Exactly! Mm -hmm. Man, like, I wouldn't like that if anyone did that to me. I don't care who you are. Don't take pictures of me. Yeah. I, don't, I actually don't let people take pictures of me, so. I feel like I... I'm not sure that I remember the rest of season one as clearly as I think I do because I think that I can't remember if it's before or after they break his camera in which she like goes over and like tries to get his help trying to find Will or trying to find Barb obviously and stuff I, I can't remember I think that's after whether she knows it? about it or not when she asks him for help she a she goes to ask him for help because she was like she stops to like pick up the ripped uh -huh. um pictures and she sees a picture and she of Barb gets a picture that's like of Barb and she like tapes it back together and then she goes to ask him for help right. because he was apparently the last person that saw her. And like right. it could be something where she's like oh my god that was so romantic and I'm like I don't think yeah. she thinks it was romantic. I think she's like she sees it as a link to her friend. Oh my next question is <laughs> can we have an OT3 instead? Yes. Okay. okay this is this is this is a hot topic. Mm. This is a genuinely like important topic because for me I personally think that's really uncomfortable mm. because they're kids and they don't even know what mm. polyamory is. So like, I know OT3s well, solve most problems. They're teens. They probably like. I mean, it I is know. the '80s, so they might not know what it is. But I, I feel like teens, at least these days, are definitely more informed on subjects such as that. That's true. Well, they have access to the internet. Yeah. See, like the thing is, it wouldn't even have to be like overtly sexual. Like, you don't have to sexualize every form of relationship for it to exist. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to, and I pride myself on not having very much internalized homophobia mm -hmm. and such, um, but I know that I am currently struggling with people shipping Will and Mike and having less of a problem shipping Mike and Eleven because I'm worried it's gonna make Noah uncomfortable but then I'm like why should it why should he feel uncomfortable I'm just trying to be honest like it's currently something that I'm struggling with and trying not to have a problem with I yeah think, what, are, what are your opinions I like the honesty of that a lot yeah in terms of like the kids I think unless you're around the kids like ages yeah I don't think it's appropriate to do things like that yeah like and that was the same problem with like you know a lot of CW teen shows Glee stuff is like grown adult shipping these kids and I'm like the minute you start to engage in a fandom around them you are adding an element of adult like behavior to otherwise like innocent children mm -hmm. and that makes me uncomfortable and the Mike and Eleven relationship also makes me uncomfortable just because like they're kids and like they keep kind of forcing that like crush thing and I'm just like there's something about it that just doesn't sit right with me and mm -hmm. I don't know why. I, I've never been interested in shipping like the kids on any show and right. especially this one because they're so much younger so like I, I don't like that, but I feel like Stranger Things in itself has, like, both sides of the, like, coin of, uh, like, portraying young relationships, because it did Lucas and Max in season two, like, perfectly. Like, they didn't over-sexualize it, they mm -hmm. didn't make it, like, fraught and weird, it was just, like, these two kids like it's each an other, crush. Right. and then they share a kiss at a dance, which, like, kids do that. Whereas, Whereas Mike and Eleven, like, Mike has been, like, yeah. thinking about her for a whole year, and, and he's, like, obsessed with her, yeah. and it's, like, creepy, and, like, then, then the whole 
Eleven getting jealous of Max, Max. And it's just, it's over-sexualized and, like, creepy and weird. And I'm like, they're, like, 13. Stop it. It's, like, it's a toxic mentality that, like, they have somehow absorbed and is, like, being transferred through media. Because, like, where would Eleven get the idea to be jealous of another woman? Exactly. If she's not jealous yeah. of the boys, why would she be jealous of Max? Unless, like, heteronormativity, like, was forced onto her at some point. And it's, right. like, of all the things that she's experienced in the world, or hasn't experienced in the world, yeah. straight, like, feelings are one of them? Like, that's just really confusing to me. Well, um, in this episode, we see her, like, the fact that she doesn't know a lot, much of anything, you know? She doesn't even know what the word promise and the word friend mean. Exactly. But what I can say is that after, um, like, at the point where she's, like, being jealous of Max or whatever, she has lived in that little cabin with Hopper, and we see her watching a lot of, like, soap operas and stuff. Oh, yeah. So that's how I can sort of make sense of that. But other than that, like, the other thing is, on a lot of these teen shows, the the characters are played by adults who are playing teens, you know, obviously to get around, like, uh, employing kids and having to put them through school and everything. So it's, like, easier and it feels less creepy to ship teen characters. Right, like on Riverdale. I was gonna right. say, you get it you because they're all Riverdale. in their 20s yeah. and it's like, whatever, it's fine. Yeah, but but these are kids playing kids. Exactly. And so, and so uh, shipping them is predatory either way. And that's why like when people are like, okay, so the OT3 with those three, I'm like, no, because those are adult concepts that are being forced onto teenage kids. Like, we're I talking about Steve, Nancy, and Jonathan. Yeah. You know that? Okay. That's that's why that's why I kind of like hesitate a little bit because I'm like, that's a more adult and complex conversation that I don't know if these teenagers are capable of having mm. at this developmental stage of their brain. Right. I just wish they wouldn't make it such like a, like it shouldn't be a creepy love triangle. It should right. be like wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like, make it a wholesome love triangle. If you're gonna do a love triangle, don't make it weird. And that's the, that's another reason why I'm kind of, like, for the, the OT3, not necessarily in, like, a polyamory type way, although, of course, polyamory doesn't need to be inherently sexualized either. That's a um, good point. Um, but, you know, you see interviews with with um Joe and with Charlie and they'd be down for it like at one point somebody asked Charlie like are you team Jonathan or are you team Steve like what would you say to somebody who's team Steve and Charlie said I'm team Steve That's yeah so exactly cute. I love like that. when I finished season one for the first time in the finale of season one she's with Steve and she goes to give Jonathan uh, a new camera for Christmas yeah and it's, like, really sweet. And then she gets back to Steve and he's like, did you give it to him? And it's like, I thought that that would be, like, a really cute, mm-hmm. like, soft way for their relationship slash friendship to go. Yeah. And then they don't do that. And it's... I thought she was dating both of them at that, that, that time. Yeah. Like, that she was dating both of them, but, like, they weren't dating each other. Mm. Like, so they were just kind of, like, in two casual relationships. Like, that was yeah, what sure. I thought at that time. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's cool. I've never seen that before. Right. And yeah. No, it wasn't that. And that also kind of implies that Steve, like, chipped in for the camera because he's the one who broke it, you know? And that's Soft. that's that's another yeah. thing that um, people bring up in their headcanons about Steve having, having a really bad home life is that he's spending Christmas with Nancy's family. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's Christmas, you know? Yeah. Also, before we move away from this subject, I do want to say that I am interested in them portraying Will potentially gay. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's something that should be normalized in general. Because, like, if you're gay, even when you're a kid, you're going to have soft little crushes. Yeah. Like, any straight kid will when they're a kid. Mm -hmm. So I think that if they did that in a respectful way, that would be really neat. There are some kids who would be, like, because of internalized homophobia, would be uncomfortable with that. But but knowing who Noah is and seeing how talented he is, I totally think he'd be up for it. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to see it. 
I think it's a wonder that kid doesn't have an Emmy yet. Agree. He should have an Emmy. Like, Absolutely. Especially for season two. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah, fully. But if anybody is listening to this and they have uh, anything else to add, please uh, let us know. Our email is aficionadospodcast at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you uh, about this. Thanks. Thanks, y'all. Cool. <laughs> My next note was don't force Barb to go to parties. Just because I'm like... And I know that, Brittany, you had thoughts about this, about Nancy asking Barb to go to the party, but uh, for me, like, I don't like parties, and I don't want to be forced to go to parties, thanks. What are your thoughts? I think, like, Nancy is the classic skinny friend. And, like, I say this as, like, someone who's been the fat friend. Is your skinny friends use you as a safety net until they realize that they're comfortable, and then they don't need you anymore, because you're not a threat. Mm. So, Barb isn't a threat to anything. Like, Nancy can be there, and if Nancy needs to, she can even rag on Barb to get the approval of the other people in that group and it will be safe for Nancy to do that. So like for her to ditch Barb and to like basically keep Barb around as like a maybe I'll need you, maybe I won't sort of thing. Like to me was like, I had visceral flashbacks to being a teen and being like the heavy one and like having your skinny friends always be like, you're not threatening, you're the Ursula of the group sort of thing, you know? So I just think like what Nancy did in terms of like teenage damage, like probably would have messed Barb up for life like if she'd lived. Oh yeah, yeah. I totally get what you're saying and I do think that what Nancy did was ultimately shitty, but I think at the beginning that she was just genuinely nervous and she wanted her best friend there. Which is fine because in Nancy's brain, that's an acceptable thing to do. No one does these things maliciously but she's like I want you to be there even though you don't want to be there because I need you and I'm not considering what you want and I think yeah, both very of these selfish, things but... can be true for sure yeah I think um, one leads to the other do you think that if Barb had full-on refused to come she would be worried that Nancy wouldn't be her friend anymore yes yeah. I don't know. I think if Barb had actually refused to come and then not done it, she don't, I don't think she would think that Nancy would like stop being her friend. I feel like they're, I just thought that their friendship seemed like it was like more solid than that. But remember how vulnerable Barb was at the beginning of the episode where she was like worried that Nancy was going to start hanging out with those people and that she was going to change and all of this stuff. I don't know. I just don't think that their friendship would have ended over one night. Right. And like I said before, like one of Nancy's, at least at the beginning here, one of Nancy's main qualities is that she's kind. So I don't think, yeah. But I think mm. that would be something that Barb would be afraid of. Mm. I don't think it's something Nancy would do, but I think it's a thought that would have pro- crossed Barb's mind at some point, which if, is probably why she went in the first place, which is she's my friend and I don't want to lose her. So I'll do this for her sort of thing. If uh, Barb hadn't have gone, do you think Nancy Fallon just wouldn't have gone or would Nancy have gone by herself? I think Nancy eventually would have yeah. gone by herself. But also, I don't think ride. she can drive. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's, again, another reason why she needed Barb. Yeah. She needed to use Barb for something. Right. Okay. There's an assembly or some of some sort for Will after school that everyone's, like, supposed to go to and Nancy says she's gonna go to and, but, like, the boys don't want to go to. I'm like, who? So no one goes to this assembly, including Jonathan. What, what, what even happened? I don't think there's an assembly. But but they said it they over the Oh, the they did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so. Then, yeah, I guess the the boys don't think Will's dead because Eleven said his name. Yeah. And Nancy just made it up to get to the party. So We'll just never know what happened in that freaking assembly, I guess. I um, guess it's a, like a preliminary assembly to the later assembly when they right. think he's dead. Right. But like, why have an assembly late at night when one of your students is missing? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, why would you invite children out of their homes when one of them has just gone missing at night? Exactly. Like, the those are some questionable decisions. Yeah. <laughs>
I love plot holes. <laughs> the next thing is that Barb knows what Steve's motive is. I think that Steve contains multitudes, but that's definitely probably what his main motive is. Yeah, he has an endgame for sure. Yeah. Agree. I think Barb understands teenage boys. Yeah. Barb should be the guardian, but then Nancy tells her to leave. Yeah, so Nancy says, Barb, like, you should be my guardian. You should make sure that I'm making good decisions. And it's like, first of all, make your own you, decisions. Yeah, you should make sure that you make your own decisions. But as soon as Nancy's about to make the decisions that she technically, that she told Barb she didn't want to make, then she tells Barb to go home, so. Listen, I have no lost love for Barb. Like, I don't like, I think the hype over Barb is, like, a lot and is annoying. But Nancy was a bad friend in that moment. This whole night, Nancy was a bad friend. Mm. Like, especially when she was like, hey, stay and be my guardian. And then she was like, never mind, you can go. And it's like, you made her feel weird about wanting, about stopping you from doing something that you asked her to do? That's not cute. I, I, um, I don't care much about Barb. But I yeah. think that's just because I, I feel like the first time I did care about Barb when I first watched it. But, like, now I've seen, like, and no shade to Shannon Purser, but, like, I've seen her in other stuff and she plays very similar characters in other stuff and then those characters get on my nerves and I'm just like I can't bring myself to care anymore. Just the the hype around like justice for Barb and stuff was like yeah it was exhausting and I'm just like guys she was a red shirt the minute she showed up at the party. Yeah. It's not like she should have just gone home. So now we have Jonathan and he's like in the woods so we, so it starts really innocently. Yeah it's he's, an accident. He's yeah. taking some pictures of foliage I don't know which foliage he's <laughs> like, looking why? for or like he's which foliage is like this is the foliage I'm gonna take a picture of for what reason. This is some suspicious foliage. I'm assuming broken foliage, foliage any mm -hmm. blood. Yeah. Any place that looks like a kid got yoinked from. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know he doesn't think that Hopper's doing his job well enough. Right. So he's out Meanwhile, here trying to Hopper's do Hopper's literally dealing with like four different murders. Yeah. <laughs> Why does Jonathan stay for so long? Like he sees them and he takes a few pictures for some reason. But one of the things that I really think was really weird about it was that like even after they had gone all gone inside... He still sat there waiting for them to come into the window. Yeah. Yeah. Was like, what are you doing? Like, they, I assume they had been in the the house for like a full five minutes before he could see them through the window and he was like watching the windows to see them like does he know which window is steve's room like and yeah, he had to wait through just... that entire conversation with barb too. yeah yeah so like was he just watching steve for a while <laughs> and like the con like them the getting OT3 towels went live. <laughs> oh my god it's just it's just bad and awkward and yeah. like why didn't he leave i mean like we said before like obviously it's for narrative reasons and it works out really really well yeah. and you know yeah. you're able to kind of of, like guess where it's going and everything so it's great and it makes sense why they did that it's just like character wise it's kind of gross thanks yeah character wise it's just like mm, why'd you do that i know we've kind of talked a lot about barb already but stop peer pressuring barb like nancy's supposed to be her good friend and she knows that barb doesn't like parties and doesn't like doing these sort of things and then she's just like i'm gonna shotgun a beer barb you shotgun a beer and then she like peer pressures barb into shotgunning a beer see with that i thought that she was trying to like loop barb in because mm. she like because barb was like sitting on the outside and like not really having fun right. so she's like hey this is the fun thing we're doing you do it too and like you'll be like so you'll feel included mm. like she was trying to make barb not feel like she was an outsider right but then it just ended up being awkward because barb doesn't want a shotgun a beer she's never done it she's not good at it 
and then she cuts her hand. Yeah. And then mm. it just makes her feel worse. So it's just, I get where, like, I feel like Nancy's intentions every time are good, mm. and they just are bad results every right. time, because she doesn't really think past the immediate intention. Right. And choice. I love that. Jonathan's camera says Pentax on it, and I went and I looked on the Pentax Wikipedia page, and it looks like one of his cameras is from the M series, and it started around uh, 1980 and went on, so that should be around the time that his camera was made. How do you think he afforded the camera? Well, we know he has his own job. Mm-hmm. He probably saved up for it. Yeah. How much? I don't know when he Do we know how much it would have been at the time? Uh, no, I couldn't glean that from the Wikipedia page, but, um, we could do some more research. It's probably something he saved up for since he's, like, been interested in going to school for, mm-hmm. like, art. It could right? be another thing, like, it could have been, you know, birthday presents and such, like, when Lonnie was still around, he could have, like, given him money for that when he was, like, saving up for it or something. Mm-hmm. Nancy tells Barb to go home why doesn't Barb leave? I think because she's worried about Nancy. Does she think that Nancy's gonna come running down the stairs? Maybe. Or she's just freaking like depressed and doesn't want to leave yet. She doesn't leave so she can get taken. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Narratively. Yeah. Yeah. Because like in in my mind, there's like no reason to stay unless she wants to like chill in the pool. Which like I get it because <laughs> if I had a pool to myself, heck yeah, I'd like chill in it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even chill in it. She just puts her toes in, and I'm like, what are you doing, like, girl? It's the doing? middle of fall. Like go home. Yeah. <laughs> It's late. It's late. Go home. Your mom is probably worried. So Jonathan sees Nancy and Steve up in Steve's room and everything. And we get this shot of him and it's like clear that it's supposed to kind of be like jealousy? Question mark? It's it's kind of hard to read his face. Jealousy? I think it's jealousy. You think? Yeah. Hmm. Why Maybe. wouldn't it be jealous? What it's else could it possibly in be? My, That's, it's totally jealousy. It, yeah. It, yes. It's like it, the way that it's kind of, the way that I kind of see it is it's like, it looks like it's jealousy jealousy in the way that it's just like that could be me up there but like yeah. in no world would it be him would it be him yeah so that's why it's just kind of weird for me it's just like you know you've seen her with steve if you're so obsessed with her you probably know that she's been dating steve because everybody at school knows so like i don't think it's that could be me it's i think it's i wish that was me it's literally oh. the god i wish that were me meme yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's not. Uh. <laughs> um, the monster is drawn to blood. Also, now you have to clean the pool. Oh. But Steve doesn't know that he has to clean his pool. Oh my god, that's so sad. That's the real mystery of Stranger Things is did, did anyone clean, did the, he pool? clean the pool? Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have any other thoughts about that storyline? No, not really. Okay, cool. Well, let's move on to team adults then. Shall we? Cool, 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 cool. All right. Here is my um uh, uh recap of this storyline. Joyce and Jonathan make Will's missing posters, and she tells Hopper about the weird phone call, which he agrees is pretty strange. Hopper learns that his friend Benny killed himself and asks around about it. Some wires get crossed, and they think that Eleven is Will, finding that he may have crawled through the pipe that Eleven did. Joyce gives all her money to Jonathan, and so can't afford to buy a new phone when she goes to the store where she works. She also asks for advanced payments because she's going through something right now. She gets another... <laughs> <laughs> She gets another weird phone call that messes up her phone and lights begin to lead her to Will's room where should I stay or should I go plays. There's a flashback in which Jonathan and Will are listening to the song while their parents fight, talking about how they don't have to impress anyone. Jonathan tells Will to be himself. Jonathan goes to visit Lonnie, who is a jerk, and tells him that Will isn't there. Meanwhile, Joyce is finding that something weird and crazy is happening in her house because the walls are moving or something? Whoa. The walls, man. 
Um, and also, we also included some of the, like, scientist stuff in this one, but I didn't talk about it in the recap because I don't care. Ooh, ooh, love that energy. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought it was really funny that at the very beginning of the storyline, um, Joyce says, like, here's all the money to go to, like, the place to get the, uh, posters printed, but mm -hmm. you can't go by yourself, so I'll call Karen to come get you. And I'm like, okay, he can't go by himself, but he has a driver's license, knows how to drive, drives all the way to Lonnie's house, then also <laughs> goes out into the forest and takes pictures of people. Cool. Yeah, but I think it's that you can't go by yourself because she's afraid of him disappearing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But but then he does it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, imagine, try, imagine trying to get a teenager to do what you want them to yeah, do. Yeah, he's not very good at listening. But another thing is that she never calls Karen. Like, obviously, <laughs> obviously Karen is, like, dealing with her own son back at her house and doesn't call him at all. So who who's to say? And once again, Jonathan isn't going to school. I mean, if, you're, if your brother was missing, you wouldn't go to school. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I'm staying home on account of my sibling is missing. And also I gotta go visit my creepy dad. You had mentioned, Brittany, that uh, you can recognize your loved one's breathing. Yes! I like, I don't, I, when I watched this the first time, I was fully, like, on Joyce's side. Mm. I was I like, agree. yeah, you absolutely can. I know, I know my sister's breathing. I know, I was like, I can, I've only watched one episode so far, but even I can tell that that's Will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why everyone thought she was crazy. I was like, are you trying to tell me that you wouldn't be able to recognize someone you love's breathing? That's easy. I mean, honestly, obviously no one else heard it, but. I mean, honestly, when she calls out Hopper, like, wouldn't you recognize your own daughters? Mm -hmm. He's like, that was a low blow, but also, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. have a point. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hopper's taking, like, some pills. I noticed. I never noticed he was taking pills. Yeah. What do you think they are? Antidepressants? Um, I'm a little worried about him just because I know that he's also like drinking a lot of alcohol and stuff. You're not supposed to do that, right? I mean, you can. It's just gonna make you loopy. So it's like, not can you do your best work? Yeah, you're not supposed to, but I don't know what it is. What do you think it is? I think it's antidepressants. Hmm. Um, I mean, his daughter did die. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Hopper says that he is good at finding, therefore he is a Hufflepuff. Mm -hmm. Do you guys think Hopper is actually a Hufflepuff? Oh gosh, what a, what a great question. So for context, in this iconic musical, it's Here called uh, A Very Potter Musical, and basically it brought out the headcanon, I guess, that Hufflepuffs are very good finders. They're very mm -hmm, good at finding. Mm -hmm things um, because in the musical they were mentioning that everybody has like a strength and Hufflepuffs don't and they said the Hufflepuffs are very good finders. Mm -hmm. Which is weird because our strength is that we're loyal AF. Mm. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So, and also I feel as a Hufflepuff, I feel confident in saying that we um, are also really good at losing stuff. Okay. So maybe we're just good at losing the stuff, at finding the stuff that we lose. Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, there's like this whole thing on Tumblr that was like, so all of us just reject Cursed Child, but like some college students told us that Hufflepuffs are very good finders and that's just like the truth now. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> um, yeah, literally. Yeah. I literally hadn't even like seen AVPS. Like that was not my like... It was just a little too late for my, like, Harry Potter generation. Mm -hmm. um, but when they were like, Hufflepuffs are good finders, I was like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, probably. Like, I accepted that to be canon, even though I knew it came from AVPS. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Or AVPM. Yeah. It's it's more, that show is more canon than Cursed Child. Fully. And we I can all agree on that. And it's fully terms. canon divergent, which I love about yeah. it. <laughs> that it's, like, more canon, and yet they're, like, com they completely go off canon. Like, it's an AU, mm -hmm. but I still consider it more in a... In the in the canon, then yeah. then Cursed Child. I don't know Cursed Child. I don't know her. Umbridge being a man in drag who is in love with Albus Dumbledore is more 
canon than Bellatrix and Voldemort having an affair and having a child. Voldemort that just makes like, more sense to me. Voldemort like, just like liking to dance, and that's his whole thing is that he can't dance after his body gets taken away, and that's why he's upset. Like, no offense, Voldemort cannot have intercourse. No, full offense. If you don't have a soul, you can't do that. If you don't have a soul, you don't have a dick. Like, as the um uh, uh I don't really want to claim him as ace representation, no. but he kind of is. Like, he's he's not even ace representation. He's just like he's just like a non-entity. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like after you make a horcrux, you're like not a you're not a you're not a person anymore. I mean, considering he, like, like you, when, like, he was in limbo, he was, like, a weird wrinkly baby thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's not a being that's anyway, welcome, reproducing. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to our Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> I just have a lot of thoughts about, like, how not canon Cursed Child is. Mm. Like, except, except for Black Hermione. I was about to say mm. yes. Yeah. Black Hermione is absolutely canon. Great. Everything else I from fully, a Cursed Child can I fully throw agree. out the window. Yeet it right um, out the window. Right off the astronomy tower. So, anyway, Hopper says that cops are very good at finding. What? I literally, like, how the hell did we get on the topic. Very good at finding. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So he says cops are good at finding, which of course I was just like, ah, yes, find. Got it. Hufflepuff. The scientists are listening to their phone calls, which is how they know about Will and, and all, which is why they show up at Will's house and blah, 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 blah. Seems a little invasive. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, again, we're sitting in a room with a thing that's recording, or at least two things that are recording our every word. Yeah. Three things. Mm. Alexa, our phones, and um, this microphone. Stop listening, mm. Alexa. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, she literally turned off. Mm. The fact that she recognizes that phrase is really scary. Yeah. Thanks. Well, it's pretty good that she recognizes that phrase, because if she didn't recognize that phrase, she would just be listening at all times. Yeah, but the fact that they had to build that into her. So, Hopper has these two guys who are, like, his buds, who kind of help him out, and one of the guys' name is Callahan. Um, and Callahan asks the other one whose name is... He's got the real tea on the dropper situation. Mm-hmm. He sure does. He's got some hot goss. Uh, Powell. It's Callahan and Powell. But Callahan is our friend, because he also ships, ships Jopper. He says that, um, they used to do it, right? Or whatever. Yeah. And and then Powell just doesn't answer. Yeah, because he's like, is this no. really the time? Yeah. He's like, I mean, yes, but no. Yeah, he's like, um, like, listen, I want to talk about our ship, but like, not right now, because yeah. there's a kid missing. Yeah. Well, I feel like Powell is just like, he knows... And he's, like, beyond gossip. Mm. He's just like, yeah, whatever. So he's just like, obviously, yeah. idiot. The other guy's like, they used to bang, right? And he's like, yeah, what does that have just to do like, with anything? Just like, are you blind? Of course they did. What's cool is that um, Benny was is on This Is Us. Like, he's one of the main characters on This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Um, and Powell has also been on This Is Us for an arc. Uh, recently. So that's cool for them. I love that for them. Was he their uncle? Oh, no, 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 no. Who was he? He was, uh, he, he was running for like mayor oh. or whatever against Randall. Neat. Mayor? No, city council or something. So- MLA? That's not in America. That, no, yeah, that's nothing. Whatever. Um, <laughs> So, uh, one thing that I noticed is that Jonathan's mirror on his car, I guess it's, like, his and Joyce's car? No, it can't be, because Joyce went places. Uh, yeah. Wait, do they both have cars? That's weird for such a- when they seem to be in so much- But Joyce works such long hours, Jonathan might need it to get, um, he and Will- Oh. Well, it makes sense that it's a junker because his, his mirror is totally broken on, on one of the sides. Yeah. Okay. In this flashback, Jonathan is telling Will that you shouldn't like things because people tell you you're supposed to like things. You should like things because you like them. Um, so that's nice. One of one of Jonathan's best scenes where he's not being creepy and bad. Yeah. So shout out. I love that Jonathan. Yeah. That's that's the Jonathan we claim. He's soft. Yeah. Um, I noticed that when Joyce goes to the store, she fully just like doesn't take the sidewalk. She just walks over top of the bushes. <laughs> that's a woman on a mission. Stop, stop. It's a mood, girl. Joyce is a good employee. She mentions all the reasons why she is a good employee, but she is kind of manipulating a little to get some extra money. 
I love it. Yeah. I love it. So the scientists at their house, are they like trying to figure out where the portal is? Is like, is that what's going on here? What a good question that I don't have the answer to. Because when they went into the little garage shed thing they noticed that like on the windows there was like a, a growth beginning there which is like the tree growth in the forest yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they must think it's like some kind of hot zone yeah so i mean i assume that's kind of what they're doing they're in hazmat suits though so it's like yikes so it's like you're in hazmat suits but you'll let the people who live there walk around totally loosey-goosey yeah yeah that's bad science <laughs> no i think that, honestly i think it's a good example of them just being garbage people right yeah but it's yeah. also like they are scientists who are unethical it's irresponsible what is they're at the quarry and they're talking about how you cannot survive a fall from the quarry. Hmm. Um, and Callahan, I think, like, just doesn't believe Hopper, but Hopper's, <laughs> like, the truth, like, telling the truth because they're like, one time this guy fell down there and he was fine. And it's like, cool, he was lying. But this is obviously foreshadowing for when Troy makes Mike jump from the quarry, which is fully yeah, like, he you murdered know, him. That, that's murder. Like, they fully would have, yeah, he fully would have just died. Yeah, that kid would have been on trial for, like, manslaughter. And that, like, happens in like real life and it's terrible yeah hey kids don't force other kids to jump off a cliff (laughs) but luckily 11 is magic and she saves him she has magic Mm -hmm. um uh, we learn that hopper used to work in the big city so that's something to know about him and that he was friends with hopper uh benny was and hopper when he was working in the big city he's mostly working with strangers but benny was his friend and so he's very sad what a great and impactful line yeah he was just like they were like those are strangers this is my friend and i was like Oh, yeah. ouch. Yeah, like, this is his, this is his home. This yeah. is, like, where he grew up. These are the people he grew up with. And, like, it makes sense why he's, like, lost later. Yeah. I was gonna say that, like, potentially it's never learned that Benny fully just didn't kill himself. Like, it's never learned that Benny was murdered. Because oh, the yeah. only person who knows is Eleven. And do you guys think, like, throughout that year that Eleven was alone with Hopper, that eventually Eleven told Hopper that it, it wasn't, it wasn't a suicide, that he was murdered? Because she's the only one who really knows. Honestly, I want to believe that she would. May, yeah. Like if I'm if it came up in an organic way, right? Yes, she would have told him. But I'm not sure how it would have come up unless like maybe Eleven saw a picture of him and Benny. Mm, or yeah. which we know there could exist right yeah yeah so like it's totally possible that it came up and she told him but it's also possible that they just think benny killed himself that's too bad which is like sad so sad um justice for benny honestly yeah. justice for benny justice right? for benny right justice for benny barb bob don't and also have, muse don't have a b name in this town yes yeah. <laughs> oh, crap okay i can never go to Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> okay so next topic of conversation Lonnie sucks. Sure does. Sure and that does. the whole conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have any thoughts on the fact that Lonnie sucks? I don't have any thoughts that aren't, aren't me projecting my own father onto his irresponsible ass, so I'm going to be quiet. Okay. I just think um, he's a terrible dad, uh, and he was a terrible husband, and no one should ever be on his side. And he has a girlfriend who kind of makes weird pedo jokes. Yeah, she says, maybe I'll trade him, trade you in for the younger model, and I'm like, he's like 17, but he's whatever. He's 12 year old boy no he's not 12 yeah but in my mind he's 12 okay everyone on this show is 12 unless they're dropper apparently okay literally though alexa how old is charlie heaton charlie heaton is 25 years old he's 25 years oh old oh my god he's the same age as sam kind of i'm 26 I, I oh. that's, why I said, that's why i said kind of <laughs> i just wanted to make that joke where it's like happy one year i'm 27 <laughs> that's totally fair <laughs> Okay, you guys ready for some ship headcanons? 
Hopper, yeah. yeah. Always. Cool. So, it's clear that Lonnie knows who Hopper is, first yep. of all, mm-hmm. and also doesn't like him. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. Like, he's like, oh, is Hopper still the sheriff? Ugh, gross. So, what? You know, like an adult man. What are your head cannons? So, yeah, like, go. So, like, it's confirmed in season two that Joyce and Hopper were, like, real good friends to the point of, like, cutting class and smoking together. Winkity wink. So, yeah, like, yeah. smoking. Either they dated uh, in high school and something happened and they parted ways and she married Lonnie and he married what's her face? What's her face? <laughs> I don't know her yeah, name. No good. Slap some disrespect on her name. <laughs> I don't know her name. Hold She's please. not very nice. Like I get that they went through a horrible thing but also I don't care about her. Wait what do you mean they oh. went through a horrible thing? Looks like her name is Diane. Oh my god I thought we were talking about He's... Lonnie's girlfriend and I was like yeah disrespect her. No. No um, I'm in Hopper's ex-wife. Her name is Diane it looks like. Wait why don't we like Diane? I mean I don't dislike her I just don't care about her. Well, what's her story? Diane was married to Jim Hopper for seven years. They had a daughter together named Sarah. One day while the three were at a park, Sarah began hyperventilating. Jim attempted to calm her down, but ultimately she had to be taken to the hospital. After the death of- something about Sarah having cancer. Uh, after the death of their child, Diane and Jim divorced. She later married a man named Bill and had a second child with him. Oh, okay, so it's just like they- they, they, they process survive losing their child. Yeah, and they process their trauma in totally different ways. It's just like totally fine, and there's no real problem with her. I just don't care about her because the narrative hasn't given me a reason. I don't know what I was saying anymore. Um, that they dated and then you think that they went their separate ways. Either that happened, they dated and went their separate ways for some unknown reason. Some high school reason because kids break up and get together in high school all the time. Mm-hmm. Or, which I like this theory better, TBH, they didn't date, they never actually got together, but they were best friends. Like, they just clicked on a very real level that Lonnie never clicked with Joyce on, and they, like, laughed together way more, and they just, they never saw their friendship as romantic until maybe now. Oh my god. And okay, Lonnie- yeah, I love this, because everyone else probably saw it that way. Exactly, exactly. like Lonnie. Like, yeah. Lonnie could see that they had something that, that he and Joyce didn't have. And he's jealous of that. Oh my Thanks. god, I love Snaps. this. I love this. I love this. I love Great. this. Um, my next question was, how old is Jonathan? Is he in the same grade? I think he, around the same grade. Do, I feel like at the beginning of season two, we see them in class, but I can't remember if Jonathan's in the same class or if he just joins them in the hallway. No, they're I, all in the same class. Are they? Yeah. How do you know this for sure? Because I just do. Because narratively, why would he not be? I don't know. Real. Mm-hmm. If they're trying to go for realism, then maybe he's not in the same grade. Well, look it up. <laughs> we must find an answer to this question. It's just like on Riverdale, it's like everybody's in the same grade, and I'm like, realistically, like all of the main characters wouldn't be in the same grade. When I was in when I was in high school, because I was in drama, I was friends with like people from different grades. Like you know, like That's not everybody. True. Whereas we mostly stuck to our own grade. See, my main friend group was all my grade. Yeah, I did have friends in other grades. Yeah, we knew like of people like we would talk to people from other grades but like there was a hierarchy where like if you were in grade 12 you didn't talk to the grade tenors because they were all losers and the grade tenors hated that until you got to grade 12 and you're like oh you are all losers got it but like really it was just that everybody was a loser because you're in high school yeah so i don't know what the um sources are for this or anything but um on both jonathan and nancy's pages it says that they are 16 in season one and 17 in season two that makes sense so there you go cool 
So, Jonathan is 16. So, Cynthia, get away from him, thanks. He is so, 16 going home. So, are they in, in sophomore year or, or so are they, sorry, let me adapt for the Canadians. So, are they in grade 10 or grade 11? I think that means they're in grade 11. I mean, I turned 16 while I was in grade 10, but that's because I was born in March. So, I turned 16 while I was in grade 10 also, but I was born in October. So, you just went in a little bit. You went, you went in the year before. Like I went in I if I had been born a month earlier, yeah. I could have gone into the next right. grade. Yes. So I mean it just depends, I guess. Well, who's to say, like, who even knows when their birthdays are? Like, it could be whenever I'm, at any point. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out how long they're still gonna be in high school for. Yeah. I think I think they're probably in grade eleven here and then grade twelve in season two because Steve is trying to apply for colleges. Right, yeah, you're right. So let's say that. And that was in October. So in season three we know takes place in the summer. So um they've probably just graduated. And if not, then I'm confused. If Agreed. they just graduated, though, don't you think we'd know more about the, them graduating? But if they just... Yeah, but in season three, probably, because it was, like, just October in, at the end That's of a good point. Two. Right, because they just go to homecoming at the end, which is, like, yeah. November. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it would make sense for them to have graduated if Steve has a job in mm-hmm. season three, because you don't really... A lot of times, you don't need to get a job until you're that summer right after mm-hmm. high school. Mm-hmm. Right. Good point. Especially because his family has such a big house, and even though his... Even if his relationship relationship with his parents isn't great I'm sure that they provide for him just fine oh, yeah. yeah um cool what I noticed is that um people call around the town call Will Lonnie's kid and they yeah. still call him Lonnie's kid and not Joyce's kid so I wonder no it's not because they were both locals I wonder why it's Lonnie's kid mm. sexism that's the answer actually it might it might that's, just be sexism yeah, it's that's just the answer but who knows like that guy was a little bit older so and and who knows he might just like know Lonnie better because their families were friends or whatever like maybe we don't know much about like when Joyce and Hopper and Lonnie and all of them were in high school together yeah maybe Lonnie was just heckin popular and yeah Ooh. joyce and hopper were like the dork. kind of edgy dork characters yeah. who cut class and smoked and yeah. yeah maybe joyce just wasn't as well known as lonnie was and probably still isn't right like I maybe because yeah. he does have that like i'm still living off of being a cool footballer in high school energy right you know what i mean yeah big energy okay here's a here's a big question that i have that maybe i don't know if we'll ever even find an answer for but if hopper is learning that first of all benny committed suicide but also will was also there and his hair was buzzed and he was in a hospital gown how is this making sense in hopper's brain like is is hopper thinking that maybe benny's Benny, Benny's suicide wasn't a suicide or is he trying to figure out how that, that like Will was in here and then like something bad happened to Will and so that caused Benny to commit suicide like I just don't understand what's going on in Hopper's brain right now like what does he think happened I think because he's a cop and this is like how it works is you treat them as two separate cases until they prove that they're related mm-hmm. so I think in his mind they have to be two separate incidents for right now well yeah but after the guy said yeah like could be Will like he kind of is just like okay and then they find like that piece of hospital gown in the uh tube so it's like i think he's treating benny's suicide as a separate thing mm-hmm. yeah exactly um but i also think that he's so desperate to find will partly because he feels responsibility for this town but also because he feels like a connection to joyce and he like has to do this stuff for her yeah and like also it's his responsibility as a cop that he's like so desperate to find will 
that he is looking for literally any scrap of information right. that could be him. Mm-hmm. Um, Powell says that you can't ask a corpse a question. And you know what? <laughs> you can, but they won't answer. She's right. Usually. You know how long she waited to make that joke? She made that joke while we were watching it and then wrote it down so that she could make it again. All I wrote down was the quote. I know what my joke is. I don't have to remember it like that. Oh, I'm so sorry, Hannah. Kind of- yeah, but it's been a solid 24 hours. She's mm-hmm. been she's been sitting on it, y'all. Yeah. yeah. Hope um, you all appreciate it. But that. also, if you ever watch the show Pushing Daisies, you'd know that you can actually ask a corpse a question. And it might answer. Oh. Interesting. Brittany, zombies aren't real. Pushing Daisies wasn't about zombies. Ned had the power I mean, to bring the dead back to life. I mean, technically they were zombies. Nuh-uh. It's that you got you got to be back alive fully and someone else had to die in your place. Um, that's not great. <laughs> Did you ever watch Pushing, da- Pushing Daisies? Um, no. Were you trying to mansplain Pushing Daisies to me having never seen it? <laughs> we're just telling no. you the morality of Pushing Daisies isn't great. Yeah. That was the whole point. It, yeah. Ned had to suffer because... Also, didn't he want to date a dead girl, but they couldn't touch, and it was yeah. kind of weird and creepy? Because she accidentally died. She was collateral damage in something else that he'd done. Okay. Mm, awkward. <sighs> um, good show. Who's this random lady Hopper is sleeping with? It says her name is Sandra. Is she the librarian? No. I don't think so. So Hopper has just been sleeping around. Because he also sleeps with the librarian when they go to investigate later. And yes. And his <laughs> cop friend is like, really? It Whoa. just says Sandra is... Sandra appeared to be a one-night stand of Hopper's. That's it. Um, let me she, see. She, uh, looks an awful heckin' lot like season two Joyce, is all I'm saying. She does. Snap. Let me find a little bit more about the library. Can I, while she's doing that, can I just say I'm so glad that they fixed Joyce's hair? Yeah, it was really bad. Because it's really good in season two, but it's really bad in season one. The librarian's name is Marissa. Mm, so not Sandra. So not Sandra. Hopper talks about how he's feeling cursed because suicides, like, never happen in this town. Kids never go missing in this town, you know, and as soon as, like, I don't know, I don't think he's, like, the new sheriff or anything because even Lonnie says is Hopper still the sheriff yeah. you know so it's like weird that now like if if you think you're the problem then why didn't this happen years ago Ooh, that's a good point you know if so if he came back he moved back and was sheriff do you think he had his kid around the same time that everyone else had their kids like would his kid have been the same age as like Will if she hadn't died I feel like yes but I think that she died before he moved back right right yeah Okay. I'm just saying, like, has he been the sheriff for, like, I don't know, eight years? Probably, yeah. It looks like she died at seven, it says. Okay, so maybe six years, because I was thinking she was, like, three. Yeah, I thought she was, like, a lot smaller than that. I don't know the ages of children. No, she's, like, at least five, like, just looking at this picture of her. Um, but it doesn't say, it doesn't say, like, when that was or anything, so. But we can probably estimate that that was probably around the same time that. Yeah. That everyone else had their kids because that's just how it works on shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, totally all of the main characters' parents on Riverdale had their kids at the exact same time in the exact same year. Yep, 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 yep. yep For yep, sure, yep, obviously. Yeah. Um. Never thought about that before. What? That all of those kids are the same age and that all of their parents were friends too and they had them at the exact same time. I yeah. never thought about it's that. It's really before. weird though too because like if you think about it, are your friends' parents the same age as your parents? Not no, not usually. No, like sometimes they're in the same like decade, mm-hmm. but some sometimes they're not even in the same decade. Like my parents are like five to ten years younger than most of my friends' parents were in high school. I've just never yeah. thought about that in co- in the context of Riverdale before, and I'm like, what the hell was in the water that year? <laughs> Alice is just like, hey, Hermione, I'm gonna conceive my kid tomorrow night, and she's like, got it. I will also try and conceive a child. <laughs> but but apparently but also Polly, freaking, 
Yeah, Polly was beforehand. And Jason. And, well, Jason and Cheryl are twins. Sometimes I forget. See, we, <laughs> but, like, we've still not, like, ruled out. Because Cheryl was supposed to be older than them. Yeah. And then now is not. Right. Because, so time doesn't actually work in any real sort of way on Riverdale. Right. Yeah. And that's not the show we're talking about right yeah. now. So, <laughs> anyway. Um... Okay, so my next question is, why is this phone thing happening? Is Will actually calling? Is this, like, ghosts needing lots of energy to do things? And maybe Will doesn't have the energy to also speak. He only has the energy to call. Ooh, I like that. I made that up. No, I like that, though. I like that. And I think that that plays into it being easier to turn the lights on. Right. Than to call. Mm -hmm. And, like, calling keeps failing because the Demogorgon like, eats the line or whatever. Oh, or wait, so like you think much. it's the Demogorgon, like, sabotaging the phone call? I think yeah. it might, I think it might be, like, Will's putting so much energy into it that the phone is just like, whoa, friend. Okay, also that. I'm imagining I the think... phone piece, like, growing lips and going, whoa, whoa friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's either sabotaging the line or it gets closer to Will and he, his energy is then taken out of the phone because he has to run. Okay. Yeah, like, the Demogorgon like shows can't... up because it's chasing Will. So right. every time Will goes near the house, it's a huge danger. And, like, he can't maintain that connection because he has to focus his energy elsewhere. Yeah. Like okay, that. yeah. That makes sense. The walls move? Sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's something freaky. that doesn't really get explained. Like, I think we see it again next episode, but it doesn't really get explained? I Question think... Mark? I can't remember. Well, like, the... Like, in the beginning of season two, Eleven comes back through the wall. So True. I feel like spaces like that that you can't see between, but there is space between, right. um, is a, like, breeding ground or potential, like, leeway, liminal space kind of thing for the Upside Down to enter through. So maybe, like, gaps in the, like, in the spaces of, like, structures you can't see allow for the Demogorgon and stuff to be, like, in the walls. Ew. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll That's take probably it. correct, and I think it's gross. <laughs> Ending this storyline, Joyce does the same thing as Steve does in the finale, in which she, like, runs out of literally that house and then gains the courage to go back inside. Mm-hmm. So. I would not have gone back inside. I gotta Me neither. I I mean, I mean, she's a mom, right? And it's her kid. Yeah, so. mom power. Yeah. yeah, it's mom power, and it's her kid, and it's and like Steve has mom power too. He does. Yeah. But it's just like I think she she was scared for a minute, and then she was like, "No, this is my house. This is my heckin' kid. I'm not not taking Satan. Not today, Satan. <laughs> I'm not taking any more of this. Not today, Satan. Not today." Uh, anything else for that storyline, guys? Um, uh, no, I don't no. think so. Great. I'm good. Um, hey, Brittany. Yeah. Um, can you explain to me what Patreon is? Oh my god, Patreon? I, I know the answer to this question. This is Great. So I don't, I never know answers to questions. <laughs> um, it is a service where you can donate monthly to your favorite creators if you want to help support them. Wow, what's the lowest I can donate? A freaking dollar! And where can I find that? Probably on the ground. <laughs> I kind of meant what the URL was. <laughs> I know, but as you were talking, I was like, please frame this in a way where I can say on the ground. And then you did, and I was like, yes! Guys, if you find a dollar on the ground, please.
please give it to the eviction auto. Please help us. <laughs> For that joke alone, honestly. Um, but you can actually find it at patreon.com slash the eviction autos. That's so cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, hey Sam, uh, do you support anybody on Patreon? I sure heck can do. Tell me who. Yeah. The eviction autos, obviously. Really? Yeah. That's so nice. Thanks. What Why? What's, what's a really cool perk that you get for doing that? Um, I get to listen to the podcast early, uh, which is pretty neato. She yeah. also gets to date one of us, but she doesn't pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not Robin. It's not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Thanks so much for that information to Sam and Brittany. You're yeah, quite it, welcome. You are welcome, Robin. Okay. Cool. While Brittany's in the bathroom, I'm going to tell you some things from the Stranger Things wiki that I found that were really cool. Just some more, um, um, it's like, uh, uh references to, like, E.T. and stuff. So, it looks like there's a lot of references in, to E.T., obviously, but the, there are the most of them in this episode. In E.T., the main character pretends to be sick to stay home from school to be with E.T., and shows E.T. his toys, including Star Wars figures, which Mike totally does. Hey, what Star Wars figure does he show him? Yoda. Yoda. Oh, that's right. There's gotta be some kind of symbolism in that. Yeah. Also, E.T. does the same thing uh, that Eleven does when exploring the Wheeler house uh, and becoming mesmerized by the television. It looks like the- it, it says- and I'm taking this straight from the wiki, so uh, shout out to the Stranger Things wiki. Um, it says, the shooting style, music, and cutting pattern of the scene when Eleven sees the picture of Will is closely modeled after a scene from uh, the 1985 film Witness. Um, oh, with yeah. Harrison Ford? Yeah. When Lucas speculates that Eleven is a psycho escapee, Dustin says, like Michael Myers referencing the killer in Halloween. Yes. yes. Yeah. We just watched the new one and it was really good. So, so good, can recommend. The sequel Laurie Strode deserved. Thanks. What the heck? There's some really cool trivia on IMDb sometimes, too. So just mentioning some of the fun trivia that I'm seeing from IMDb. Listen to this, you guys. In the scene where Jonathan is leaving the school after Nancy attempts to console him as the school door closes behind him, a faint voice can be heard saying mommy as the door squeaks shut. Shut up. That's so scary. That's genuinely scary. Wait, what? Yeah. That's what it says. Ew. I'm scared. When Jonathan visits his dad dad's house, uh, when he pulls out and gets out of the car, you can see the Terminus building in the background of the shot as seen in The Walking Dead. Um, cool. Do you think they did it on purpose or was it like- I don't know. The quarry scene in this episode is the same location used in The Walking Dead, season one. Ooh. Oh my god, when they were doing laundry in the water, of course. The quarry also appears in the Netflix movie The Fundamentals of Caring. Barb is uh, is taken by the monster after her blood drips into the pool. This is preceded earlier in the episode by the poster from Jaws, clearly as a nod to the source of inspiration. Dude, I noticed that when we were watching yesterday. I was like, haha, Jaws poster, and then didn't think to open my mouth. <laughs> when Jonathan is driving his car, you can hear about two seconds of another song right before Should I Stay or Should I Go starts playing. That song is Go Nowhere by Reagan Youth, most likely referencing the first season's theme of Will disappearing. The title is a nod to the Twilight Zone episode... Uh, the monsters are due on Maple Street, in which alien visitors succeed in driving a neighborhood to paranoia and violence by turning the power on and off. This might reflect the friends' tensions over what to do with Elle, their alien visitor with strange powers. And making the lights flicker. Yeah. Oh my god, the Twilight Zone, like, did everything first. Mm -hmm. Ooh! This is another thing about that Twilight Zone episode. In the episode, a group of neighbors descend into paranoia and murder after they gradually become convinced that aliens slash monsters are invading their neighborhood during a power outage. The irony, of course, is that they themselves are the monsters on Maple Street. The Wait, final... sorry, which movie? In the twi that Twilight Zone episode. I've watched a movie about that same thing. To the Twilight Zone, the monsters are due on Maple Street, yeah. The final reveal is of two actual aliens nearby manipulating the power on the street and commenting that the uh, that 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 alone was enough to cause humans to turn against each other and that to conquer the planet all they needed to do was allow humans to turn on themselves the title may also be a reference to stephen king's short story the house on maple street 
Shout out IMDb for having dope trivia. For roles. Cool. Alright, so let's move on to the final storyline here, all. It's sure. the kids. Okay, my recap. After finding Eleven, the boys take her back to Mike's house to figure out what's up. Lucas wants to turn her in, and Destin is really hung up on her trying to take off her shirt. She gets nicknamed Elle after the other two leave. In the morning, Mike begins Eleven's love affair with Egos and wants Elle to pretend to show up at the door for the first time, but she says that there are bad people coming after her, so that plan is nixed. Mike doesn't go to school and instead shows Elle around his house. Elle recognizes Will, but before they can say anything else, Mike has to go give his mom an excuse as to why he's home. Eleven has some flashbacks to the lab in the closet and is amazed when Mike comes back for her. Mike explains to Lucas and Dustin the situation. Lucas still wants to turn her in, but then Elle has crazy powers. Elle shows them what the situation is using D&D. She also learns some fun vocab words like promise and friend. Aww. Aww. That was a big day for Eleven. Sure was. Mm-hmm. I think, like, it's, like we were saying um, last episode, it's really interesting that she knew to call Dr. Brenner Papa yeah. when she was taken as a baby. Like, it's clear that he either told her to call him Papa or she has, like, seen things in which people have a Papa where they call them Papa because um, she doesn't even know words like promise and friend. Yeah, like, she kno- she knows he must have emotionally, like, em- like made her bond to him by, like, teaching her that word. Right. But, she- but promise and friend are two things that she can't ever have because if she grows attachments to the other kids, then they might rise up and rebel. Right. It's, do you guys think that he had a special relationship with Eleven more than the others because of what her power ended up being? Or do you think that he treated them all like that? Are you saying that because, um, I think her name's Callie, right? Her, her, her sister. It's my sister's name too, so I should remember, but I, I don't i just remember her as eight so right her power like manipulates people's minds and 11 can manipulate the power of like the actual physical, physical planes yeah i feel like i don't remember if they brought that up or not but i'd be interested to learn more about that in season three yeah i wonder if it's because 11 is so young Mm. and is very impressionable and he didn't realize that like maybe the first couple tries with like someone like eight he gave them too much freedom and taught them too much Mm. and with 11 it was just sort of like you get to know nothing and you are a blank slate of a person i only watched the lost sister episode once that one time when i was literally watching it all in one day the day it came out so i don't remember if she had if eight had said whether or not Dr. Brenner was in charge of everything when she was there. Crab, I didn't keep track of that either. Because she, because she like manipulates Eleven's mind so that she sees Dr. Brenner, but I don't, yeah. I, I feel don't like, I feel like she at least had knowledge of Dr. Brenner because she was able to do that so well. Right. Like she, she makes the guy that they're like attacking, he, she makes his like him see them younger, but he does, she doesn't like make him see other people people right right i don't think so so i feel like she had to like have knowledge of dr brenner to to give such an accurate yeah thing because mm-hmm. i don't think i agree i don't think she can like read minds can she ah uh, that was gonna be my I second question so. was did she get that image from 11's mind right or i mean or can she just change because it's not that she can control minds it's that she can change perceptions yeah like who who's to say whether like i, I mean i don't know how her power works but like if she was just like show Eleven this person she keeps talking about, then it'll just come up. You yeah, know? because it's Eleven's mind who's who's making it up, right? So like, who knows? Um, hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about that in season three. I'm so excited by their backstory. Just like by the way, yeah, I love that stuff. <laughs> Lucas, I think, talks about Penhurst 
uh, which is Pennhurst State School and Hospital, originally known as the Eastern Pennsylvania State Institution for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic, was an institution for mentally and physically disabled individuals of southeastern Pennsylvania located, located in Spring City. Was it Pennhurst? They went there on BuzzFeed on Salt. They oh, sure did. We're, we're having the same thought. I went and checked. If you're more interested in Pennhurst, um, check out the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode they did on it. It was dope. Because it's heckin' haunted in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's cool. I love how Dustin is like, cool, oh yeah, you got a lot of fans family there. <laughs> He's so That's smart. such a roast. But the Wikipedia says after a century of controversy, it closed on December 9th, 1987. So at this point, while they're talking about it, it's still open. Oh yeah. Yeah. People are still suffering. Which is terrifying. Yeah. So he's thinking that Eleven came from there. Oh yeah. Cause they keep kids there. Sam, I mean... as an American, how close is Pennsylvania to Indiana? A hmm, couple hours probably. Oh, okay. Uh, let me, let me just I'm like, I mean, if Eleven can hitchhike all the way to wherever in <laughs> season two, then who's to say? Doesn't she, isn't, doesn't she go to New York? Isn't that New York? I don't remember. Yeah. Or she, she Chicago. Chicago, Illinois is like a shiny toy. Mm, four to six hours in a car. Okay. So that's pretty far away. Because you got to go across the entirety of Ohio. But Lucas is a kid. He doesn't know that stuff. Right. He's probably just heard about Penhurst on the news, right? Probably. Okay. Um, Especially if, if this is the time when it's embro embroiled in conver controversy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. You guys had thoughts on Karen Wheeler. Underappreciated and underused as a mom and an actress. If you want to see Carlo Buono actually kick ass, go watch Person of Interest. Kara? Oh, is it Kara? I always thought it was... I have no idea. It's C-A-R-A. Cara could be. Okay, fully dyslexic because I always saw Carla. Anyway, so if you want to see Cara Buono go kick action, kick action. <laughs> just, I don't know, just go watch Person of Interest. That's just good life advice. Legit, I watched Person of Interest before watching Stranger Things and that's where I, like, knew her from. And, like, I recognized her name in the credits when I was first binging Stranger Things, and I was like, oh my god. It's Martine! Yeah, because on Person of Interest, she was literally the scariest character, oh. and still remains the scariest character of any that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, her acting is phenomenal, and I was like, I don't get scared of things easily. Like, I watch horror movies, and, like, I'm not scared of anything that happens on Stranger Things. But Martine was but, scary. But, like, that woman <laughs> scared me. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And then, like, so she's an incredible actress, because she can play that and then play this like soft mom who like really cares about her kids and I feel like the show should use her and Joyce more than they do because they're criminally underused yeah they are Joyce especially just spends two seasons screaming Will's name right and, like of course Winona Ryder does more than that but like I feel like her agency is less than it should be. Yeah, like, she gets more to do, I feel like, a little bit in season two, but I feel like she should be more, like, she should be as crucial to the plot as Hopper is. Yeah, and, exactly. And, like, they could use Karen more than they do. Like, she's used an okay amount in season one because, like, sh of course she's a tertiary character, like, you don't, like, expect that much from her. And, like, what we do get in season one is good. Like, she tries to talk to Nancy about, like, having sex. And, like, she is very concerned for Mike and, like, all the places he goes without her knowing. And, like, she's an invested mom in her children. But, like, and, like she's she, the main character's mom. She should mm -hmm. be, there should be more going on there. Yeah, and, like, she has the, she has the kids over for game night all the time. And it's, like, it's a regular thing that, that she's involved in these kids' lives. So they could use her more. And then in season two, they just don't use her at all. And then it, they give her this weird sexual thing with Billy. And I'm, like, Ugh. really uncomfortable with that. And, um, 
yeah, just use your mom's better, Stranger Things. Yeah. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Great. Um, another thing that, Sam, I think you brought up uh, while we were watching yesterday was that you don't like Mike. I don't like Mike. I like Mike okay in season one, but by season two, I do not like Mike. I think he has some kind of some slightly toxic energy that i'm very not here for negative towards max for no real reason yeah he's negative towards max for no real reason he's obsessive about 11 which like i get it like you your friend that you found goes missing and like you had this connection with this person and you don't know where she is and if she's dead or not and like that sucks and that's really hard to deal with as a kid but also it's just bad energy like he has negative energy and like Will is sitting there, who they spent the entire season, like, trying to find. And he went through horrible, unimaginable things in an alternate dimension, running from actual monsters. And Mike is just like, yeah, that's tough. I miss a girl. Mm. And I'm like, your life is not hard. Shut up. <laughs> your life is not hard. Shut up. <laughs> just, Me at all of Riverdale. And it's just like, he's, like, angsting so hard. And I'm like... You're 13. Yeah, he's a 13-year-old boy, though. Of course he's like that. Mm -hmm. But it's all, I don't know. Like, the rest of them don't have the same energy that Mike does. And I'm like, if this is not fixed now, he's gonna grow up to be, like, not a nice person. I don't know. That's fair. But we are talking about season one Mike, who I don't mind. Yeah, no, season one Mike is totally fine. I get him. I like him. I would adopt him happily. Great. And I think he's a good kid. Great. Yeah, season one Mike, totally great. Cool. Um, Eleven, my, one of my questions was, how does Eleven know that they have guns? It's because they shot Benny right in front of her. Yeah. Great. Mm, yes. And if that doesn't mess you up, I don't know what will. His friends were like, where's Mike? Why isn't he at school? Why doesn't Mike tell his friends his plan? Like, I know he doesn't have, like, a phone to text them on or anything, but he could have, like, walkied them. Although- Only Dustin. Only Lucas. It, oh, it wasn't Lucas? Yeah, it's only Lucas that okay. Mike can reach, really. Um, but I mean, who knows? Like, Lucas's parents could be in the room, and then his parents would tell his parent, his mom, or yeah. whatever. So but it's I probably safer to just say nothing. Yeah. But I thought they all had the walkie system. They all do, but um, because Lucas lives closer to Mike, he can really only get Lucas. They have to play they, chain. But then why does Dustin expect? Because he's probably closer. To pick up when well, he's calling for them in season two. When he's calling them and he sees Steve, they're at Mike house. Oh. Right, because okay. Steve is like trying to give flowers to Nancy. But I thought he was calling them before that. Like, he's calling them over and over. Well, I think I'm, and I'm guessing, but like, it's like Mike's house, Lucas's house, Dustin's house, Will's house. Yep. Okay. So, if Dustin calls anybody, it's like, I hope someone's in the vicinity. I hope they have their giant ass freaking walkie-talkie with them. <laughs> Hopefully. Guys, yeah. should we get walkie-talkies? Our phones are walkie-talkies. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, There's probably a walkie-talkie app. There probably is. Yeah, it's called the phone app. Yeah. No, but like, right. really? No, but like, like a walkie-talkie app? But like I one where you is. could just go blurp high. Over. Would you literally <laughs> just say blurp high? Roger. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> Over and out. Blurp high. <laughs> That's me energy. <laughs> blurp. Eleven thinks Nancy is pretty, and later she gets to, like, wear her clothes. So that's nice for that's her. That's wholesome. Mm -hmm. I love this moment, like, um, we, we were just talking about this one Tumblr post recently about how it's, like, they, like, you know that a writer is an only child yep. when they have their sibling character say, hey, sis, or hey, little bro. Like, you know, yeah. things like that. But Nancy and Will are written so well because yep. she's always like, ew, Mike, you're so gross. Like, you're so disgusting. And, like, when she says, oh, like, Nancy is pretty, Mike goes, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think Nancy and Mike's relationship is written very well. 
Agreed. Okay, here's another thing is that uh, he introduces their lazy boy and says, this is where my dad <laughs> sleeps. <laughs> he introduces their lazy boy. He does. Lazy boy is a character. <laughs> but it's like, you could just see this as my dad naps here all the time because he's a dad and he's uh, always napping. Which is, my dad always always napping, so yeah, I get I, it. Yeah, so do. much in common with your dad. But, he doesn't say, this is where my dad naps. He says, this is where my dad sleeps. Are Ted and Karen having problems? I would believe it, mm-hmm. because Ted is, is useless. Worse. Yeah. Yeah, Ted yeah. is really useless. Yeah. I don't think that's what they meant, but that's what I want to choose to interpret it yeah. as, you know? I mean, given where they go in season two with them, I think that... Uh, it could be where he sleeps. Then again, when Billy comes to their house, she's in the bathtub and Ted is asleep on the freaking lazy boy. Yeah. So. Guys, I might be Ted. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that. Brittany, you deserve better, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like, I love that Sam agreed to that not knowing where Robin was going. (laughs) She just heard you deserve better, but didn't understand it was you deserve better, Sam. Yeah. No, I knew where she was going. Brittany, if you're Ted, that you, then I deserve better. That's true. Because, because Ted, Ted is useless. Yeah. But you're not, so we're disagreeing with, with, with you on whether or not you're Ted. Thanks. Thanks. I just wasted all of our time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, Mike shows Eleven his toys. He has this Yoda toy. What? What? When did the Star Wars movie come out in which in which Yoda was first introduced? Yoda's Empire, right? Yes, Yoda's in Empire because that's when Luke goes on his vision quest. Is that night? Hang on, Alexa. What year did the Empire Strikes Back come out? The movie Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back was released in 1980. 1980. Cool. So yeah. we are three years out from when that movie came out. Yeah. So that makes sense. Obviously, Yoda has powers, like telekinetic powers, just like Eleven. Is there any other um, uh, symboli- symbolism sort of connections you can make to Eleven and Yoda? I think that's the main one, is just the, yeah. the telepathy. Um, because she is seen... Is it this episode when she's levitating the Millennium Falcon later by herself? I, I don't think no, that's, that's this, not this episode. episode. Okay, well, later in the series, she is levitating the Millennium Falcon by herself. Or previously, was it the episode before? No, I don't no. know. Um, anyway, Eleven <laughs> levitates the Millennium Falcon and Yoda also levitates, um, not the Millennium Falcon, but Luke's... Is it the, It's his, it's his, his X-Wing. X, X, X-Wing, yeah. yeah. It's Luke's X-Wing that he comes to Dagobah and he just levitates it right in front of him and Luke's like whoa yeah it's like yoda has a lot of the powers that um all of the kids have separately okay. are combined into like what the jedi can all do like remember like you saw obi-wan like kind of mind tricking mm. those stormtroopers mm-hmm. it's kind of like what like people like eight can do okay yeah cool he has this um dinosaur named rory and one of my favorite netflix subtitles is rory roars i know i saw that i love that which i support um but also at the beginning of season two karen tells mike that he has to get rid of some of his uh toys and that includes rory and he kind of has to have a moment where he remembers showing 11 rory and everything and then he I i think he chooses to get rid of rory if i remember correctly why would he get rid of rory because he has to get rid of some of his, his toys, and so he has to be like, oh, why Rory? Well, that's the thing, Brittany. <laughs> no, I know. Okay. Um, <laughs> Not the gumdrop buttons. Yeah, that yeah, that was the kind of energy I was going for there. <laughs> okay, why is Eleven always so distressed in these flashbacks? Like, she has to have some moments of peace, right? 
I think she knows wherever she's going when in these flashbacks, she's going to be in pain. Like, are those, like, is that her room that she lives in? Then why is she so distressed just going back to her room if that's where she always lives? But I think, like, later at some point we, like, go to the laboratory and we see a place with a bed. I don't think it's her room. I think it's an isolation chamber. Like, they're torturing her. Yeah, she's being punished. In solitary. What did she do? Or observed. Yeah, or something. She might be being observed. Like, she's either being observed or punished for, like, not successfully maintaining a connection for long enough or mm. like not passing a mental test that they were putting her through. Last episode I was like when do we not see her in this hospital gown and the only other time I can remember is um when she's like getting into the the tub the tub thing and she like has that like other tan yeah. thing and she has like a helmet on. I was re-listening to her podcast and I was like I I remember one. Uh, I remember it me. <laughs> I've got I've got <laughs> something to add. Um but yeah, okay, cool. What Okay, what was the thud? So Mike is talking to his mom downstairs and we hear a thud and she goes, who's upstairs? And he goes, no one. But she was like just in the closet. Like what was the thud? I mean, maybe she knocked like a pair of shoes over or or something. a baseball bat. Okay. Karen says, you can tell me anything, but you won't. Yeah. It's like, it's a good comedic moment, but it's kind of sad. I mean, I think we've all been there at some point Mm -hmm. where your mom is just like reassuring you and being like really nice and like, it's all good. And, like, you can tell her anything. But in your little kid brain, you're just like, mm, can I? Like, most of the time, you're all, you're like, yeah, I can talk to my mom about, like, anything. And then there's sometimes when you're just like, nope. Mm, yeah. So, yeah. Dustin is wearing a drama club shirt, which I love for him because <laughs> um, Gaten and Caleb both started their acting careers on Broadway. Um, Caleb was Simba on The Lion King and Gaten was Gavroche in Les Mis. What? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, there's like wow. videos of them like singing the national anthem for stuff. They're great. Okay, well, um, those kids are more talented than I will ever be. Yeah. Those kids are so talented I have to talk about them being talented. <laughs> <laughs> does Eleven's nose bleed no matter what she does with her powers? Because- I think so. Because last episode, she like stopped that fan from going and her nose didn't bleed. I think maybe simple so. tasks- like, that don't take as much energy. Right. But she's just closing it. I mean, she's slamming it, but, like, she's just closing a door. But there's a difference between stopping emotion and causing emotion. Okay, mm, gotcha. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, cool. Dustin is a bro because Eleven comes down the stairs, even though she was told not to, and he, like, starts a commotion. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just Dustin's a bro. Thanks to Dustin. I ate two bologna sandwiches. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> Where did Eleven learn English? Well, I imagine they spoke to her in English. Yeah. At the institute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? No, I know. It's just like... Also, she was like a toddler when they took her, right? I thought she was like no, a full-on baby. No, she was a baby. Baby. infant. Okay. Yeah, they like took her out, oh, yeah, out yeah, of the yeah, freaking yeah. room. We didn't see her much as a baby. We saw her more as like a four-year-old. But yeah. you're right. They did snatch her right out of the room. Yeah, I imagine just at the place she was being kept. Yeah, like, I wonder if they showed her some, like, brainwashy type films and stuff. Like, I've never taught a kid how to speak, so I don't know how how fast it happens, but... I feel like you also don't necessarily, like, go through specific steps of, like, teaching a kid to speak. I don't don't know. I don't have a kid yet. (laughs) Um, But I feel like they just pick it up from hearing it and being raised. Which makes sense as to why she wouldn't know what promise or friend means. Yeah, because it's not in their vocabulary. Which is also why it's a lot easier to learn language like multiple languages when you're like a kid. Yeah. Because you're still learning a language to begin with. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. yeah. When Eleven is explaining everything about, like, where Will could possibly be and stuff, she, like, picks up Will the Wise, which is his, like, D&D character. Like, she even knows which D&D character is his, yep. which is cool. But what's kind of annoying about this scene is that they keep being like, what, did you see Will on Mirkwood? Did you see him? Did you see him on Mirkwood like, on the she street? She doesn't know what Mirkwood, Mirkwood is. She doesn't know what Mirkwood is. The police didn't even know what Mirkwood is. You made that up. I How love that, know? that. I love that. such a kid thing to just yeah. assume everyone knows what you know. Yeah. That's what I had for that episode. Do you guys have anything else? No. Cool. Should we do um, segments then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So now it's time for segments. My first segment is uh, Good Guy Steve Alert. So I've got two things for Good Guy Steve Alert this episode. Um, The main thing is, after Tommy implies that Jonathan killed Will, Steve is like, shut up, thanks. Good. Okay. I actually did really like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much in the background, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah, you wouldn't even notice. Two is that when Barb asks, like, hurts herself and asks where the bathroom is, he makes sure Barb finds the bathroom by following her in. If you look in the background, he's, like, following her to make sure that she finds the bathroom. That is pretty wholesome, actually. What a nice guy. Good guy, Steve Alert. Yeah. I don't have a segment yet. Yeah. There's only, like, two MILFs. Should we just do, did Jopper acknowledge their obvious history? I was just yeah. about to say yeah. Wasn't that our original idea? I don't remember. I'm so sure that was our original idea that we forgot. Okay. Okay. Right. Did Jopper acknowledge their obvious history? Like, they didn't, but, like, one of the cops did. What was his name? Callahan. Callahan. And Callahan Lonnie, did. maybe, a kind of did? Yeah. 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 Jealous yeah. Lonnie. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, now it's time for our best line award. So my best line award goes to Dustin for I bet she's deaf. Not deaf. Alright, that's enough! <laughs> um, and I wanted to give an honorable mention to Dustin and Lucas for the nut house in Curly County. You got a lot of family there? Bite me. Bite me. <laughs> Bite me needs to come back. Yeah. I say bite me. Great. It's true, you do. Thanks. Um, mine also goes to Dustin for something wrong with the meatloaf? Oh no, I had two bologna sandwiches for lunch. I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, what a, what a special kid. He's like, I need an excuse. Okay, here's my excuse as to why I'm not hungry. Unfortunately, I don't have a reason for why I would have done that. So, yeah. My mouth <laughs> moved faster than my brain. I'm so sorry. I don't know why. Like, you eat lunch, Dustin. Yeah. He could have literally just stopped it. I have two, I had two bologna sandwiches. Yeah. And if she questioned it, he could have just been like, I was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Awkward little thing. <laughs> And my favorite line award goes to Hopper for... No, he's good at hiding. Yeah? Well, cops are good at finding, okay? Yeah! Way to go, cops! Because it just stands out as like, (laughs) boy, what do you have to prove? Yeah. Something to Joyce, probably. Hopefully. Oh. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those. Um, and we also have a survey. It's in the description. It's perpetually open. It's just kind of saying some things that you like about the podcast, some things that you don't like about the podcast that maybe we could work on, and uh, such things like that. And also some fun questions like, what's your favorite chocolate bar? Reese's. Mine are crunchy. They're only from Can- They're only in Canada, though. It's because they're so delicious. Reese's yeah. isn't a chocolate. It's Reese's peanut butter cups. It's a peanut butter cup. My favorite chocolate concept is chocolate and peanut butter. I support you. Okay, thank you. What's your favorite chocolate bar? Twix, probably. Okay. Remember when I asked you that the other day and you said you didn't know and then I had a whole crisis over not understanding how someone could have a favorite chocolate bar? Yeah, and I feel really bad about it 
Um, so I'm sorry. Okay, that's okay. It's Twix. I decided. Okay. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. You clearly. Can <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly. Yeah. Um, we covered season one, season two, we're covering season three. We just, we live for how dumb that show is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you are also a fan of another Netflix show called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, we're doing that also on our Riverdale feed, so you can find that there. If you're a fan of The Hundred, we like to talk about that show too. We covered season four, season five, we're going to be doing season six coming up on April 30th. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> um, if you're a fan of Lost, which I personally am, it's my favorite show of all time. Uh, we like to, I know. We like to talk about that show too we talked about all season one and we're halfway through season two um and we will be continuing that uh very soon i'm very excited about it thanks robin yes we went through a whole podcast and the only time you brought up lost was when you were scripted to bring up lost great that's so weird it's Friday. exciting that's so weird are you feeling okay yeah we <laughs> haven't talked about drag queens yet today either what the hell yeah oh my goodness okay you know what we should talk about manila mm. was in edmonton oh i hate yeah, you lives. said she was at the haters roast and she fully wasn't it said she was part of the haters roast i feel lied to anyway this doesn't matter um <laughs> anyway we love manila was on thanks <laughs> anyway you can follow the aficionados on twitter facebook tumblr instagram rebel youtube but mostly twitter mostly twitter although i do work really hard on our tumblr so please follow us thank you she's making a gif series of all the favorite line awards a gift series <laughs> of all the favorite line awards and it's top-notch content you guys yeah. you should check it out eventually i'll get to the ones from this episode eventually it's great it comes out every two days please support me um our patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados if you like what we do here please consider donating because it's really expensive and uh once again you get early access to at least one day early access to um our podcast so if you're not about getting this every se- uh, third thursday you might get it every third sunday <laughs> i like how you were like at least one day and then like jumped all the way back to sunday <laughs> Could be. I mean, we don't have to put these up super. We'll see if early. the spirit moves you. Yeah, yeah. We'll Robin see has, how quick it goes. She's got them skills, y'all. Yeah, she does. Mm. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B R I T T A N I A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E Jeffrey. That's R O B Y N E J F F R Y. Pretty much everywhere, but not Tumblr. No, no Tumblr. I'm Faraday with two Fs. Mm. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yay! Babe. Where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at at Sam Casey. On Twitter. Oh, it's so hard to say out loud, but it makes more sense, which is S A M C A S E Y C. She can spell. Yeah, wow. Sure can. And uh, you can find my articles on telltaletv.com slash author slash Samantha Coley. Great. And next episode is episode 103. It's called Holly Jolly, and it's kind of, um, first of all, Mike's little sister's name is Holly, and it's, I believe, just a reference to Holly Jolly Christmas. A Christmas song. Um, I believe that's when, like, the uh, Christmas lights go up, too. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense. Um, That's my mom's favorite Christmas song. Fun fact about my mom. That's wholesome. Yeah. That's cute. Here. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.